And, you know, you have all of these thoughts, all of this information, all of this, like, Google overload and all of that kind of stuff. And then, like, what comes through is, like, the actual good, important stuff to keep. And that's the stuff that you, you know, put in your pocket and you save for later. And those those are the ideas and the things that, that you live by. Hey, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode with Tara Clark, we talk about her book, Modern Mom Probs, and her own personal story of entering motherhood and finding her village as a new mom. Hello, and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I'm super excited to have you here and really just, you know, like talk about your personal story and obviously dig into your book a little bit. But um, yeah, I think like there's so much to talk about and really just like so much like modern mom probs. That's like, like such an epic like title. Like I feel like it totally highlights exactly like what needs to be discussed today. <laughs> it totally does. First of all, thank you, Sarah, for having me because I'm super thrilled to be here. And secondly, yeah, I think the title alone sort of just like it answers its own question, right? Or like it like solves its own problem sort of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's exa- like, I think these are the conversations that, you know, like we discussed earlier, like it's not commonly um, talked about before. And there's such a push and movement for moms to really get chatting about what's going on and really like asking those questions. And um, I'd love it for you to just like introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, uh, where you kind of came from, what has led you here, and uh, let the listeners get to know you a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Tara Clark, and I live just outside of New York City. I am the mom to one son. He's eight and a half. His name is Jack, just Jack. Uh, And um, I started Modern Mom Probs, the Instagram account, back in 2016 as sort of like a funny mom meme page because I was starting to look for... um, I needed a village. This is like totally true. People are like, oh, well, like what was your village like before your son was born or when your son was born? I was like, I didn't have one. I literally didn't have one. So I created my own. And uh, and now here we are uh, several years, you know, four or five years later. So um, so I have the Instagram page. There's a website called modernmomprops.com. And then I recently wrote a book by the same name also, Modern Mom Probs, a survival guide for 21st century mothers, which is sort of like a handbook for modern moms. That's what I like to think of it as. I like to think of it like if someone was in a time machine, if it was like a Marty McFly kind of thing and like you were in a time machine and you were like, oh, can you like describe what it's like to be a mom in 2021? I'd be like, here, have this book. And then that's it. And then you just walk away and you're like, oh, now I understand. Awesome. Thank you. I love that. And you know, going back to how you just said, when your son was first born, you didn't have that village. I think that there's so many moms, especially, you know, because of the pandemic and everything that are really struggling with those like first few months, even just kind of like, maybe they have some friends, but maybe those friends don't have kids yet. They're the first of their friends 
having a child, they don't really know what's going on. Like for me, like I have aunts and like a mother-in-law and and things like that. But like nobody that was that close in the time period of when I was having my daughter that I could really like ask all of those detailed questions that maybe you don't want to ask like a random mom that you met at the park or, or something like that. And so like, you know, that's awesome that you really kind of like push to find your own village. What was that experience like? What what you just described, Sarah, was like exactly my situation too. Like I have a small family. I'm an only child. I didn't have, you know, a sister to ask or anything like that. I was the first of my friends to really have babies. My cousin had a child nine months after my son was born. And then she went on to have like three more kids. So she has like four in total. So really, I feel like she should probably have the account even more than I do. But, um, but no, I didn't have anyone to ask. And, and so, and again, social media was not what it is now, you know, eight years ago. And so people were like, you know, tweeting like pictures of their, their lunch or like their lattes and stuff, you know, like you're on Facebook, you're like checking it at the gym, checking in at work. Like that's the kind of stuff that was going on on Facebook eight years ago. People were not talking about loneliness, postpartum depression, infertility, you know, like those conversations just weren't happening back then. And thank God, I'm glad that they are happening now. But back then it was, yeah, it was very isolating for me. And I had my son in New York City, which is the largest city in America. And I was lonely, you know, and I didn't have anyone to go to. And so, um, so yeah, I started my own village, but I think it's important to, you know, when you can, you know, try to get out there meet mom friends, go to the park, you know, go for walks, initiate those relationships, which I tried to do as well. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's so much like easier said than done too. like, oh, when it's like, yeah. oh, okay, like go out to the park, like meet those mom friends. But like, when you're still in that, like, awkward postpartum stage of like, how do I handle this? Like, it looks like they have it all put together. Like, I don't want to say like, I didn't sleep at all last night when like, they look completely well rested. Yes, and, like, like everything like that. So like, I love that, like social media, especially I don't know if it's just because I became a mom that now I see it so much more like prevalent in social media, like all the accounts that I'm following and like all the people that I interact with and stuff are like moms, like talking about this, having these conversations. But I'm like, this had to have existed like before I, I, I was... <laughs> Yeah, I I agree. I mean, maybe it did and we just didn't know because like it wasn't on our radar, you know, like once something's on your radar, then you see it all the time, like, you know, a certain car or like a piece of clothing or something, you know, like or a name of a band. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I see them everywhere. But sometimes it's just a matter of like it being on your radar. So, yes, that may be part of it. But I think the other part of it is, too, it's like we're part of a generation of motherhood now that can talk about these things, right? Like we can talk about things that always had like stigma attached to them. Whereas in previous generations, maybe they sort of like stifled those feelings or stifled those those thoughts and considerations. And so we're lucky to be, in my opinion, we're lucky to be a part of the motherhood generation that we're a part of now. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And like I said, you know, like for my my aunts or like even some older cousins and, and such like that, or, you know, my grandma, like she definitely had none of this. And so, you know, like I think it's a whole different sort of game of this generation of moms like we're not only you know like 
meeting them in, in preschool or school and stuff like that. But like we're interacting on social media and just like getting that whole huge pool of, of potential people to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. I always say that like the in-person village has moved online, right? I mean, that was true for me. And I know it's true for many others, not not everyone 100%, but there's no such thing as everyone 100%, right? So um, I like to say that, you know, years ago, families were bigger, right? There were more cousins and aunts and grandma and everybody, and they lived close and they could like just pop over and watch the baby and, and everyone would be kind of like sitting together in the living room. And like, that's not really the case, right? Like families live all over the world, all over the country now. Um, parents are, you know, grandparents are busy. Maybe like the work mom is, the grandma is working more than, you know, maybe in generations ago, she wouldn't have been working like that. So, you know, there's a lot of generational shifts. And then, so because of that generational shift, yeah, we're shifting to our online village. And some of my very best friends in the world are women that I met through Instagram and they live all over the place. And I talk to them nearly every day and thank God for them because they keep me sane. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's crazy too. Like there has been so many people that I have connected with that I've never met in real life that, you know, it's like, I feel such a bond with or such a connection with. And it's crazy that social media technology has allowed us to do that because maybe originally you didn't have anybody like in your neighborhood that related to you or they didn't get you or things like that. And now you can kind of like search something very specific and you will find people that meet that type of mom that you want to be or category that you feel like you fall under. Um, you know, like, like even just uh, methods of, of everything that you want to do for your child or how you're feeling and things like that. Um, I think it's just a really amazing experience for moms to be going through right now. It really is. It's, it's so unique. I think, you know, that's, that's why I love what I do. I love connecting with people. I love talking about this topic. I talk about this topic all the time, it seems like. And so I think it's an important, you know, conversation to have and like, yeah, we, we are lucky as much as, you know, motherhood is hard, period. End of story. It's hard, but at least we could all do it together. We could laugh about it together. We could share ideas and tips and hacks and all of that kind of stuff and, and like truly be in it together. Yeah. And so other than really finding that village uh, going back eight years, what do you feel was like something that you struggled with the most and that you could kind of like look at yourself now and be like, oh, like I wish you would have either like known this or could have seen this or... Oh my God, a million things. Like I, I I literally could be here for like the next 24 hours talking about all the different things because, you know, from whether it was like sleep training or breastfeeding or all the societal pressures, like all of the different things. As a new mom, I felt so much pressure. I felt pressure to nurse. I felt pressure to eat organic. I felt pressure to not use plastic things. And like, I just had all of this stuff like swirling around in my head. And now, eight years later, I obviously have the benefit of like hindsight to look and see like, you know what, so much of the pressure I put on myself really did not matter. And that's the advice that I would tell myself, my like, you know, eight year ago self, my 2012 self, that like, it didn't matter. Like, you were worried about this, you're losing sleep about this, like, it's okay, your son, he's gonna be healthy, he's gonna 
sometimes he nursed, sometimes he didn't nurse. Like I could tell that story too, because that's like a whole story all by itself. But like, just let go, you know, just let it go and let it happen and give yourself grace. Go easy on yourself because it's all going to unfold the way that it's going to unfold. And whether you're trying to fight it or not, like it's just going to sort of go that way. Yeah, I love that. I think that is such good advice for new moms because there is that pressure, especially, you know, now with, like you said, like breastfeeding and and plastic and, you know, even what toys they should be playing with and how you should be sleeping or not sleeping with them and, and things like there's so many different opinions. And I feel like it's important to really just consider you know what is your opinion about this what do you want to do with your child and then be okay with it like if you're not breastfeeding then that's your decision if you are then that's your decision and I feel like just being able to like let it go yeah and just release that I think that goes such a long way in in motherhood, especially in the beginning, because there are times that you're like, oh my gosh, like, how can I do this? How can I do that? And how can I do like all these things? And really like bottom line, like, what do you want to do? You don't have to be doing like this, that, and that, and that. Like, yes, keep your baby alive, like keep them safe. But like your mental state is is so much like important too. Like you have to keep yourself in check and you have to make sure that you're not burning out and, and stressing yourself over like all these little things. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like I'll give you a prime example. I'll tell you my, my breastfeeding saga. So when my son was born in my head, I was like, okay, I'm totally going to breastfeed. Like, this is what we're going to do. I had him at the hospital, they have like lactation specialists. And and so she came into the room and she grabbed my breast so hard and like squeezed it and like pushed it in his mouth. And I was like, and like, I was in pain. I was like, oh, that really hurts. And she's like, well, this is how you do it. And I was like, oh God, why is she so mean to me? She was so mean to me. I was like, I'm never going to get this. And then I know like the next day that I went to the, um, there was like a group, like a support group, I guess, like with other moms for, for nursing. And it was hard and everyone's like looking at each other like this is harder than anyone ever told us it would be. And so I'm like, this is, this is really, this is going to be bad. So, you know, I tried and tried and we went home and I tried and I was stressing about it and stressing about it. And like, sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. And then I got like crazy anxiety about it. And then I started pumping into bottles. So I was both like nursing and pumping into the bottles because I knew that if I could like quantify the amount of milk I could see it and I was like okay that's four ounces that's five ounces whatever it was like then I felt better knowing that that's how much my son was eating because like I couldn't trust myself or my kid to know if he was eating enough right so so then you know we were doing that for several months then we went away to Florida for a trip and then I introduced formula because it was just easier I thought to to introduce formula while we were away now that one day when we flew down to Miami, I didn't nurse my son because I was too embarrassed to nurse him in public. And then my breasts were like rocks and they were so painful. So I don't recommend that. I don't know why I was so embarrassed to nurse in public. Like my other PSA to everyone is like, don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. You're feeding your baby. It is totally natural. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't let your breasts turn into rocks. It was so painful. I don't know why I did that. Again, because I was shy and eight years ago, it, that's just what it was. Um, it was, it was, I blame myself. 
But so then we introduced formula and then my son, you know, had formula. He had breast milk. He was going back and forth just fine with all of that stuff. And then he ended up nursing for two and a half years. Then I couldn't get him to stop nursing. So it went from like, I never thought that I would nurse to, oh my gosh, I got to stop this. He's like an adult and we just, he just never wanted to stop. And then eventually as all things happen, it came to an end and he, I weaned him and, and it was okay. And it was challenging and it was kind of sad and bittersweet at the end. But my story is I did everything. I, I pumped, I used formula, we nursed, we, we did extended nursing. Like it, it was everything. We ran the gamut and you know what? I didn't think that was going to happen, but guess what? It did. And that's okay. That's my journey. Someone else's journey is going to be different. And now my son, guess what? He loves chicken nuggets and, you know, potato chips and stuff, you know? So it's just like, it's, it's, kids are going to do what they're going to do. And it, and it's fine. That's really just give yourself grace, especially, like I said, you think it's going to go one way and it ends up going a totally different way. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, you know, right up about like eight, nine months pregnant, I was like, how in the world is a baby going to be drinking milk out of my breast? Like the idea of it was just so mind blowing. Like, I feel like I was so like you said, like, embarrassed and kind of just like, you know, like unsure of myself. Like, I just didn't understand like how a child was going to like, get their milk supply from my body. And I thought it was going to be awkward and weird. And as soon as she came out, it was just almost like natural. I was like, oh yeah, like no problem. Like I'll put her right here. Like, and it, it's so crazy that shift that we have of like, as we progress into motherhood, the embarrassment that just drops down. <laughs> yes, it really does. Our, our, standard or our bar is very low <laughs> yeah like we're just like oh what so what who cares like you know what and um yeah like even like very early on I was nervous you know to like breastfeed in front of people and I'd put like a cover up or you know like and it, it depended on like who I was around that I was like more, obviously like around my husband I would just like walk around topless half the time like putting right, her like yeah, every yeah. few hours and stuff like that but you know like then like when we were around like family and and things like that or friends like I was like do they do they care like that I'm doing this like it's all these thoughts like running in your head and then like when you see like a mom nursing or whatever you're like oh like that's natural that's normal and like you don't think like anything well at least like that's what goes through my mind like I'm like oh like okay she's doing her thing like whatever like I'll kind of like turn my head or where do I look? <laughs> like I was always kind of like, how do I, do I still have a conversation with them? Or like, do they want to be alone? Like I never really knew, but if you just kind of like talk to them or ask them or like, Hey, I see you're like looking to nurse. Do you want me to leave? Do you want me to stay here? I think like that goes a long way. Just like opening up that conversation and being okay with like, asking those questions and being and I think that just comes with time I think at first like it, it's all the thoughts running in your head and then and then just with time it kind of progresses into you're more okay with doing it you're so right Sarah that's what it is I think it's important to like ask if somebody's like cool with that first and but I all of those thoughts are thoughts that totally ran through my head a hundred percent and only until my son got older and I felt more confident in myself with breastfeeding and with him and stuff like that, then I was able to be 
better about that. But when he was like early on, like two, three months, like it was, I had so many thoughts. All the thoughts were running in my head. I have another story about, about nursing. And I'm trying to think this was the same trip. It might have been the same trip. I felt like we, we took him to Florida quite often when he was little because it's easy to travel with t- small babies. And so one time we were in Disney World, but not in Disney World itself. There's a place called Disney Springs, which is like just outside of Disney World. It has like shops and restaurants and stuff. And so I was there with him alone because my husband was at a work conference and the baby started crying, but not crying, like screaming, screaming bloody murder. And I was like, oh God, what does he need? Oh God. And like I said, he was only like two or three months at this point. And I'm like, okay, what does he need? And I was like, he's hungry. And I was like, but there's nowhere to nurse. And so here I am in like Disney World, more or less, not knowing what to do. So I ran in a full panic, sweating buckets, ran back to my hotel room with the baby in the stroller, you know, like ran in the stroller to like nurse him in private there when really all I had to do was just sit on a bench and just feed my child. And it was like totally natural and totally fine. But because I was a new mother, I had all of those thoughts running through my head. I'm going to get kicked out of Disney World. I don't know where to go because like I said, Disney Springs more or less is just like restaurants and shops. That's about it. And it's like an outdoor mall plaza kind of. And I just didn't feel comfortable. I felt like there was like no real place to go. But again, my PSA is feed your baby. He's hungry. She's hungry. Give her the milk. It's okay. Nobody cares. Yes, exactly. And I think that that's so true because, you know, like we think like, oh, are we going to get kicked out of here? This is, is this okay? Like that? Okay. And I think it's just kind of like, do it. And then if you get kicked out, you get kicked out. Or if somebody comes up to you and says, you shouldn't do that here. Or if somebody has like some opinion, you know, it, it might happen, but just do it. Don't make it harder on yourself. Don't make it more difficult. Like you don't need to no, be running I, with your stroller like, sweating. The, he was crying yes. as if he were being kidnapped or something. Like he was screaming at the top of his lungs. I'm sweating buckets. I'm in a full sprint back to the hotel. And I'm like, there has to be a better way. There must be a better way. And I just, I didn't know a better way. And so I thought, let's just get back to the hotel room. And so, and that's what we did. And then I fed him and guess what? He was fine. Yeah. And, you know, like, again, like, even I'm only, like, almost two years postpartum, and I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, like, how could you have thought that, like, you needed to do that? Or, you know, like, like, even just looking back on, like, my own experiences, or why was I so embarrassed to do this? Or, like, you know, talking to new moms and telling them, you know, again, it's easier said than done. Like, when you haven't done that new thing, when you haven't done that that part of motherhood yet, I think it's like so terrifying. And until you just jump in and do it, or until you do it for the first time, I think it's, it's always going to be terrifying. Even like looking back, like now my daughter sleeps with blankets and stuffed animals. She's got like a whole spew of, of stuffed animals and binkies and toys and stuff like all in her crib. Like she even has like a big full on pillow and like, in the beginning, it was just like, absolutely nothing. You know, you're so terrified of all these little things. And like, I remember even, so she was born like pre COVID and I was still like, wash your hands. Like everybody has to be sanitized. I wore a little clip of hand sanitizer on my head. I totally understand. (laughs) And I would like squirt people's hands, you know, like before they would even touch her. Like we wouldn't let people kiss her. Like we were very scared of, um, 
you know, all of that and, and hearing stories and, you know, again, with, with social media and technology and, and being able to connect with so many people, you also are able to hear so many different stories of, of dangerous things that could happen to your baby. And I think that's hard to, you know, before maybe it was just kind of like your family. So if like nothing happened, like immediately within your family, you didn't hear about those stories, but like now it's starting to be, you know, open and exposed to, to all these potential things that can happen to your baby. And it's just like constant noise being thrown at you. Like, okay, we have to, you know, back to plastic versus glass and things like that. Like what's best for your baby. And you want to just make sure everything's like the best of the best. And it's just kind of like, you have to filter out like, what's really true and and what's necessary. That's such a good like visual to think of a filter because that's really what it is. If you could imagine like a spaghetti strainer or something like that or a filter and you know you have all of these thoughts, all of this information, all of this like Google overload and all of that kind of stuff. And then like what comes through is like the actual good important stuff to keep. And that's the stuff that you, you know, put in your pocket and you save for later. And those, those are the ideas and the things that, that you live by. Because I know I was a nervous wreck in the beginning with all of that stuff. With the sleep sacks, you have to get the right sleep sacks. You can't have anybody on their stomach or, you know, I mean, yeah, on their stomach or anything like that. You have to sleep on your back. I was like a nervous wreck. And full disclosure, and I shouldn't say this, but full disclosure, there was many times where my son slept on my chest um, on and off. And then, you know, in the beginning, and then he slept in like a Moses basket next to us and he was a huge spitter upper. And so I actually had to have him sleep on his side so that he wouldn't like spit up on himself all night long. And so he actually slept better on his stomach from an early age, just because of like the reflux he had. Now I'm totally saying that off the record. Ha ha. But like, that was what worked for us. That I'm not like endorsing that for other people, but I can just say that that's, you know, given his situation with the spitting up, he slept better on his stomach right, right from the beginning, like right from, you know, taking him home from the hospital. Yeah, it's, it's another generational thing that kind of like shifts and pivots from like, you know, our parents to our grandparents and now us and everything, you know, what they did as parents, you know, even look at car seats. Oh my God, I know. Or anything like along those lines. Oh my gosh, I can distinctly tell you, and again, like I'm 40, right? So like I can remember driving in my mom's trunk, coming home from, one time I saw this, I'll never forget this. I saw Muppet Babies live on stage with my friend Beth. And she and I sat in the, in my mom's like trunk more. She had a hatchback. Um, more or less on the whole drive home on the highway and everything from Muppet Babies Live. And you would never in a million years be able to do something like that now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I was even trying to think, you know, like we just got Rosie one of the like almost until she's like a hundred and some pounds car seat. And I was like, when did I stop like using a car seat because I remember kind of going in like other friends cars or my aunt's cars or things like that and I was like did we pack our car seats 
And I'm like, I don't think that I had a car seat like like up like until a certain age. Like I don't I don't like remember I six either. or seven. Like yeah. there was no car seat. Like I can't really remember when I was in a car seat. I so. agree. You know, I should actually that's a good question, Sarah. I have to ask my mom about that because I really don't remember. I do remember as a child sitting in the front seat of my mom's car. And I was pretty young when she had that car. So I know I was like maybe five or so sitting in the front seat of her car. That's the same car that I also used to go in the trunk of. So I'm not sure if my mom ever had a car seat for me. That's actually a really good question. Now, having said that, (laughs) yeah, having said that, my eight and a half year old son, he's going to be going into third grade this year. He's still in the car seat. He's still in that same baby car seat that he's always been because I'm a huge proponent and a huge advocate for car seats. So yeah, so whereas like many of his other friends are out of the car seats and maybe they're in boosters and some of his friends aren't in anything at all, we're still in like the five point harness car seat that he's been in since he was a a toddler. But yeah, I feel like I'm going to be the same exact way with Rosie. Like I will definitely be keeping her in the car seat as long as she uh, allows me to, I guess. Like she'll be like 15 and be like, mom, I don't need to be in this booster seat anymore. <laughs> I know. No, it's it's totally true. Yeah. I, it's so funny that you think that back about like our being in a car seat. I mean, maybe we were just so young, we don't remember it, but... Right. Or it was also a time where that just wasn't as prevalent. Yeah, I don't I don't really know. Because I know that even when I do bring my son's friends, and again, you know, they're eight, so we I use booster seats for them, for the friends. There's something called the bubble butt, which I highly recommend for when your kids get older and like you have like obviously you have the car seat for Rosie, but if you had one of her friends, there's this thing, it's called a bubble butt. It's sort of like inflatable. And it's just like a cushion and it's just a cushion that makes them a little bit taller so that they're able to like strap into like the regular seat belt like properly. Uh, one of my friends recommended it. she keeps it one in her car. And so I was like, oh yeah, I'll get it. And so then I keep it in my car for whenever we have friends. So that's probably from maybe like, I don't know, kindergarten or so on. I think I got it in kindergarten. So kindergarten, first grade, like I said, it just makes them a little bit taller so that they could wear the seatbelt properly. It's easy to keep in the car. Yeah, there, there's just so many things that I feel like are like being invented or coming out that are just like solving all these like problems that like we may, may have. And, you know, it's even kind of like looking back on all of the things that I thought like I would need for Rosie and like those early, early years and, and months and stuff like, that, you know, there are some things that we just like never even use. Like, are there, are there things that you can kind of remember that maybe you like were told like, oh, you have to get this. And then like, you never touched it or. So many things. I never got a wipe warmer because I didn't ask for one in my registry, but I remember I had some friends that received them and they were like, we don't need this. Like, why did we get a wipe warmer? Like our house is not so cold that the baby wipes are like, frozen when you take them out of the package, you know, they're just like room temperature or whatever. So the wipe warmer, I always think about with that, that that's one that like really stands out. We had a diaper genie, the diaper genie smelled so badly. It literally smelled like it was like possessed. It was like a garbage fill. Um, that was a horrible smelling thing. I had to like disinfect that every chance I had. Um, so yeah, the diaper genie was, was gross. There's a trick that we do with the diaper genie. I don't know if it's like, 
I don't know, common. I don't even know why I started doing it or how I, I don't know, kind of determined. But after like a poop, I, I sprinkle like baby powder inside the diaper genie <gasps> oh, that's just so to kind of like smart. diffuse the smell immediately. Cause like I have such a sensitive, like sense of smell as it yeah. is. And so like, I can't stand that. And they make like those little clips that kind of can go like up on the top of the diaper genie. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if like they've had that before, but it's a little like uh, baking powder or something like clip that goes up under the top. But I just full on shake baby powder into the diaper genie. <laughs> And just kind of coat it. That's so smart. See, that's the move. Ours like always smell. Oh, it was, it was, it was so bad. I like, I could almost like still, it was a very sweet smell actually. Like it was like this weird, like sweet milky smell. It was, it was weird. It was gross. Uh, So yeah. So, so there's that. I'm trying to think of other things. Yeah, definitely the white warmer. Oh, you know what? I had a, um, a, like a steamer to make my own baby food, which I did for a while. Because I don't know, because again, I was just like, oh, I'm going to buy all all organic, you know, um, vegetables and carrots and all that kind of stuff. And I I did that. And then it started like the machine itself started getting like kind of funky. And I was like, ew, this is great. Like I kept trying to clean it and it just got funky after a while. So I don't think the steamer was a necessary thing. Although I did get a lot of use out of it for maybe like a couple months, like two, three months. And then after that, I was like, nope, don't need the steamer anymore. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, we started pureeing Rosie's food in the beginning, and then we just kind of, I guess, like, veered towards almost, like, the baby-led weaning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, So we would just kind of, like, chop up everything, like, a little bit smaller, still make sure that it's soft and things like that, um, and just kind of, like, progress towards there. Because she did like, like, the mushy baby food and stuff, but it was just so much harder again like for us to be like you know like spoon feeding her when like she was capable and she wanted to like play with it grab it with her hands like stuff like that like once she started to get a lot more like mobile um we were just kind of like throwing things on her plate and seeing what she picked at that's awesome yeah see that that's a a very good thing yeah I, I did the steamer for a couple months and then I was like nah like like you said like it was a lot of work and also, really, I could have been steaming vegetables any other way. I didn't have to be doing it that way. So especially if, like, someone has, you know, like, an Instapot or something now, like, you don't need that additional just baby steamer. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. And, like, we even have, like, a good blender and everything. So, like, we very well could have, you know, just used that to, like, blend up the food. And, and so to have, like, something specific, like, just for the baby, like, I mean, maybe if they had, like, sensitivities or things like that or you weren't quite sure and you wanted to make sure that it was like totally separated because I have a nut allergy so like we were very hesitant to introduce nuts to Rosie so we waited a little bit on that and we actually did they're like these little puffs they're peanut puffs and she um started eating those and that was like the first like nut exposure that we did how did it go that was It was good. Like she was great with them. And peanuts, I can be like around and I'm okay. Like if I eat them, I feel sick. But like peanuts, I'll like allow in the house. But we stick to like sunflower butter instead of peanut butter. Um, And and we'll still do like the puffs every once in a while. And she's had um, walnuts and stuff in things. And she's been okay with that, which like we're happy with. Like I... 
I hate that I have an allergy and like I always have to be like very cautious like what I'm eating and where I'm going and especially with nuts now like there's so many recipes and things and such that people are just like tossing nuts in because they're a healthy alternative and, and things like that but um it's it's scary and like I didn't want that to be you know something that like she had to go through and and going in school and kind of being like you know, the, the kid with the nut allergy, like sitting at a different table or like, you know, like can't bring all, all the snacks in and things like that yep, because yep, of like yep. that kid. Yeah, that's another really stressful thing in the beginning too when you're introducing new foods. You know, you're not sure how that's going to go one way or the other. So yeah, add that to the long list of probs. <laughs> you know, I, I bookmarked some things in your book. <laughs> I love that. that. It's... um. Yeah, I love little like post-it notes and such. I know. There's something about stationery that makes me so happy. I am so excited for whenever Rosie goes to school and has to go like school shopping because I'm obsessed with like school supplies and oh, getting yeah. like the list and just like the smell of fresh paper and pencils. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. My son <laughs> does not understand why I love it so much. Like because, you know, for every September, he goes back to school in September and every September I'm always like, oh yeah, let's go. And he's like, why mom? Like, who cares? I'm like, no, I care. I care. You have to get new pencils and pens and post-it notes and all the things. Mommy loves this. Just let me have something. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I love it. I'll be like, yeah, I'll be like, I think you need like all these post-it notes. And she'll be like, that's not on the list, mom. I, you need it. Yeah. It's on the (laughs) list now. Yeah. But actually, believe it or not, post-it notes, post-it notes often are on the list. And I, yeah, so that's, so now you can totally indulge yourself on in the post-it notes. Uh, one of my favorite parts, though, were how you talked about the parenting styles. And so I feel like most of us are familiar with the helicopter parent, lawnmower parent. But I was super interested to hear tiger, elephant, dolphin panda like I was like where are all these animals coming from and it was really really cool to just kind of like hear about these like different types of parenting styles and like where and I think it helps you know us identify kind of like where we fall and like what kind of parent we are um you know so like what was that kind of like like finding out all these all these different types of parenting styles yeah I wanted to include that section because you know, everyone does parent a little bit differently. And that's totally cool, right? So it's nice to, and and I put like, you know, other books behind or resources behind each of those. So if people want to learn more, then they can, you know, go buy that other book by the author to, to really deep dive into those concepts. And so yeah, I just thought it would be fun to, to see like what you identify with, right? Like for me, I like to think that I'm more of like a panda, or a lighthouse where I know when my son was first born and especially when he was a toddler I was very like helicopter like hovering to make sure like oh do you need anything are you okay oh don't get hurt oh don't do this and then like as time evolved and as he grew up and developed as a person and as I grew up and developed as a mother I realized that again like I said earlier like you just let it go right and so then you know to sort of take a step back because in the long run my taking a step back will only benefit him and his independence and in his confidence and his abilities. And so not that I'm saying like one person should lean one way or the other, but I do think the pan there is definitely something to the panda style 
Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed, enjoyed that part. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll put something in my group of, of, um, how do you identify yourself? You totally should. Like I, I think, yeah, yeah, you absolutely should. I think that's important because I also liked the dolphin one, which was um, about like play and like, you know, having downtime and all of that kind of stuff. And so I think that's really important as well, because like as a parent, you almost don't realize how much you need to play as much as like kids need to play. Like obviously the children need to play, right? Work like play is the work of the child, but at the same time, like they want to play with you, you know? And so as hard as it is sometimes to like sit on the floor and to like play dolls or cars and stuff like that, but like, it's still important work to do one-on-one with your child. So it's worth carving that time out for. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like I have been able to like tap into my playful side more like now that Rosie's here and like it kind of gives you that excuse to like go play on the playground again and, and do those like fun activities. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, you know, some of the very best part is just to like, yeah, be a kid again. It really gives you a chance to be like, oh, let's go do this fun thing. Let's go to the zoo. Let's go to the circus, you know, like do all the things like just do it if you if you can uh then why not yeah yeah and I think it's really awesome like being able to see it through her eyes and like go back to that like innocence of everything and being able to kind of almost like relive that experience through a child's eyes and like as she's getting older now you know it's cool to you know like when they're they're little little maybe it's just kind of like seeing a new color or like seeing something spin around or you know once their eyes actually start to focus what I love what I love is when they realize that they have hands and then they're like able to like reach for things or like grab for things like my my son used to have this like bouncy chair and the bouncy chair had these like I think it was a monkey and then like the bouncy chair had bananas and he used to like try to like grab the bananas and like when he realized that he had like hands and the ability to like grab the things he saw like it was just so mind-blowing for him and like that kind of stuff is Mm -hmm. so sweet it's so endearing yeah and like when they can put their feet in their mouth or you know like just like pivoting around on the floor and moving their little body like Rosie kind of army crawled at first like she would just still belly on the floor but like push yourself places. Yep. Yep. I love and that. Then like, you know, like going around in circles, not quite like any direction. <laughs> it's great when they start to realize that they have abilities, right? Like whether they can crawl or put their foot in the mouth or, or, or feed themselves, like whatever it is, like they have all these little wins every day, right? Cause their brain is developing, developing at such a high rate. It's so beautiful to see them, realize that they're having these little wins each day well I don't know if you want to end off with you know like any other advice you'd like to kind of like push on to new moms uh, other than you know just like letting it go and really just kind of like getting over that that hump of, of kind of experiencing new things but yeah if you have anything else that you'd like to to share with the listeners and then like how we can reach you and and everything like that. Sure. So yeah, in addition to my advice of giving yourself grace and going easy on yourself, I would definitely say, don't forget to laugh. It's important to find the levity in your situation. Um, Because 
you know, there's so many great ways and platforms that we can like, you know, connect and laugh together. And so um, I think laughter is so important for commute for creating a community, which is obviously why I do what I do. Um, but that is definitely a big thing. And then another thing is to don't be afraid to ask for help, whether it's for maternal mental health issues, or it's for housework, or it's for, you know, helping, you know, finding your identity after, after pregnancy and after childbirth, like, don't be afraid. And this is, is just as hard for me. Like this is something that I've always struggled with. And that's why I'm being able to say it now in like hindsight is just ask, just ask for help, whether it's your spouse or your parents or your siblings or your best friend or whatever it is, don't be afraid to reach out because you're going to be glad that you did. And um, so, yeah, so lastly, I am Tara Clark, and you could find me on Instagram at Modern Mom Probs. And my book is called Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers. And it's available wherever books are sold online. So Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, Walmart.com, Target.com, all those. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking with me today. This was more than I could have expected and so much fun. And you're a blast to talk to. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. This was like an absolute blast. I love, love, loved it. I think you're amazing. So keep doing what you're doing because I feel like you're just incredible. Thank you. Well, this wraps up yet another episode of Entering Motherhood. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. And if you liked it, please share it with others who might also benefit from this information. If there's anything that you'd like to know more about, or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show, please visit my website, enteringmotherhood.com. I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience. You can also now find us on Instagram and Facebook at Entering Motherhood.